in the world do we encourage ourselves when we're deeply distressed over loss? Well, that's a good question. David did it. Let's discover that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Henry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV program as we learn what the Bible says. Very, very important. Now, Corey helps us by coming by and telling us what she's doing. Corey? Well, we are officially into the time period of the kings of Israel that was inaugurated by Saul. It's going to be carried on by David, and he's going to inaugurate a whole dynasty. Uh, so we are going to be looking at the kings of Israel and Judah and the archaeological evidence for their existence. Ryan? Today, King Saul loses the Holy Spirit of God and in exchange is given a distressing spirit. Not good. All right, very good. Janice? Today, my segment's called What an Adventure to Follow God. All right, get the Bible out. Let's look at what God says to us. First Samuel 30, verses 16 through 18. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Kirathites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. 
Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except four hundred young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 6 through 18. First Samuel 29, 30, 31. That's what we're going to read today. It's fascinating. Now, how do we cheer ourselves up? A lot of people say, well, you just get happy. Well, hold on a minute. How do we encourage ourselves? Now, this is a very important question right now. Suicide statistics are breaching record high levels. Many societies are deeply struggling, while others are simply failing. The only way to truly encourage yourself in today's world is to encourage yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ, God. I believe that there is no longer any other way to gain the good and wonderful life which the good news of Jesus Christ brings. A lot of things have changed over the last several years. Technology and its rapid increase will not make us any happier. What makes us happier is purpose. When we discover our reason for being, that we were designed and created, that we can have personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the God Almighty, we have greater reason to live then. Each of us need to discover the power of God's Holy Spirit so we can demonstrate who God is and let people know that they too can find Him and have purpose. He is as close as the mention of his name. Very important. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He's as close as the mention of his name. The Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Very interesting. Now, if you have a Bible guide, turn to today's passage. Divinely encouraged. 1 Samuel 30. It's a great one. And if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? Go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the page there, take it to donation. After that, go to, and you will find PDF files. You can download the print copy as it is printed, and you can be seconds in joining us for the divinely encouraged. Father, help us today as we read this passage. Guide us and direct us in the name of Jesus Christ. This is what we ask. And we said together, Father, in your holy name, amen and amen. Now, this is really important. Think carefully because David had come up on a very bad situation. Ziklag, remember that one? Well, they came in and they destroyed the city. He was doing a lot of the cleanup of the enemies and these people came in and wiped them out. So listen carefully what happens. Verse 6 of 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. And they were taken away with the enemy. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? 
And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. God said that to David. Although his future looked critical, David encouraged himself in the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, in God. You see, God sustains us even in deep, dark circumstances. I want to tell you something. There were two times in my life that I was extremely, it was extremely dark for me, beloved. And God encouraged me. I want to tell you, it was amazing. The Lord encourages me on the deepest, darkest moments of my life when things get dark and everything around me is evil. God encourages me. You know why? Because God never leaves me. God is always with me. Praise the Lord. 1 Samuel 30, verse 9. So David went and he and the 600 men who were with him, they came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. And then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. And they said, or they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, a servant of the Amalekites. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah. And the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this troop. David found and rescued an Egyptian slave along the way. God will place people around us to help us and rescue as we move along in the Lord's will. Beloved, God knows exactly what he's doing. And God has people placed in our lives at right times to encourage us and to help us when we come against things. Very interesting, you know? Fascinating. All right, let's read on. Chapter 30, verses 16 to 18. And when he had brought him down there where the troops were, there they were. They were spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David, David attacked them from twilight until evening the whole day of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Beloved, listen carefully. This is very important. David recovered everything the enemy had taken. Victory comes through the Lord. He recovers what Satan has stolen 
from us. And believe me, if you're a Christian, you know this. There's going to come a time when the end of, at the end of your life, when your body can no longer sustain itself and you think it's over, it's not. Your body cannot carry on, but your spirit lives forever because Jesus Christ came and put his Holy Spirit in your spirit. Let me tell you something. You're going to see Jesus like you've never seen him before. Your senses are going to be like they've never been before. Your life is going to be for eternity like it's never been before. Because the best time of life is in the future, in eternity. But for now, we've got to live and we've got to tell people about Jesus Christ and we've got to let them know God is here. God will rescue you because the Lord's coming back soon. He's coming back soon and the time to choose will be over. There'll be no more time to choose. So we must encourage people to choose the Lord now. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And our reading today is 1 Samuel 29 through 31. But I actually want to go back to chapter 16 because something really fascinating happens here. Verses 14 to 23 record that the Holy Spirit of God actually leaves King Saul and is replaced with a distressing spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is replaced with an evil and distressing spirit. The kicker is that the distressing spirit was sent by God himself. Check it out. Though Saul had the honor of becoming the very first king of the Jews, because he ultimately rejected God, God ultimately rejected him as king. How long will you mourn for Saul, God asks Samuel the prophet, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. This was Jesse's youngest boy, David, an unlikely candidate for king, at least from a human perspective. Nevertheless, the Lord instructed Samuel to arise and anoint him, for this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Unfortunately for Saul, at the same time the Holy Spirit came upon David, it left the disobedient king. And if that wasn't enough, God also sent an evil spirit to trouble Saul. Based on this passage, some scholars suggest that in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit came and went from believers in accord with God's purpose and their obedience to his leading, as opposed to the new covenant in which the Holy Spirit dwells within all believers. However, other scholars point out that in context, this passage is not speaking about the Holy Spirit's role in individual regeneration in a New Testament sense, but rather about gaining or losing the Holy Spirit's empowering for the role of king. Whatever the case, losing the Spirit of God is never a good thing. And for Saul, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, was replaced by an evil and distressing spirit, which the Lord himself had sent. It seems strange that God would send an evil spirit to trouble Saul, but the fact of the matter is that even though such evil spirits have evidently followed Satan in his rebellion against God, and now have become the fallen angels that sinned, 
or the devils and demons of the New Testament. God can still control them when he so wills, and use them to fulfill his purposes. This is clearly illustrated in 1 Kings chapter 22, when a lying spirit is sent by the Lord to persuade Ahab that he might go and fall at Ramoth Gilead. When Saul's servants see that he is afflicted by an evil spirit, they organize to have David of all people come minister to him with song. David was considered not only a skillful player of the harp, but also a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. But most importantly of all, the Lord was with him. And so it was whenever the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. You know, it's very ironic that the current king was being comforted by the future king, though Saul at this point had no idea of who David would become. He didn't know the Spirit of God left him for David. At this point, Saul loved David a lot, and David even became his armor-bearer. Uh, David had great favor with Saul. And we're also told that when David played the harp for Saul, the distressing spirit would leave the king. Interestingly, the great psalm scroll, which was found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, actually credits David with writing four songs for charming the demon possessed with music. And also, according to Jewish lore, David, as well as his son Solomon, was particularly adept at exercising demons. Now, although this is just Jewish tradition, it is interesting based on the text. You know, one of the things we have to remember, Ryan, is that uh, there's spiritual warfare going on, and we see that here. And Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes to the church of the Ephesians, and he tells us that. Yeah, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. No, right? against yeah. spiritual principalities. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. absolutely true. Very, very interesting, Corey. All right. Well, as promised, you and I are going to be taking a look at some of the kings, the later kings of Israel and Judah. And... Um, seeing which ones are established historically and archaeologically. So that just means that they're not just known from the Bible, they're also known from extra-biblical history and archaeological remains. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of all of them, but it does contain quite a few. Take a look. The Bible records the reigns of 42 kings of Israel and Judah. Today, archaeological work has directly confirmed the existence of nearly half of these biblical kings, along with many more of their officials, princes, and princesses. The first king to be identified historically is King David. Thanks to the practice of enemy kings referring to dynasties, both the Teldan Stella and the Moabite Stone mention kings from the House of David. King Omri of northern Israel is next. He's mentioned by name in the Moabite stone, and his dynasty, the House of Omri, is mentioned in the records of two Assyrian kings. Ahab, the son of Omri, is also verified in the Moabite stone and is named in the records of Shalmaneser III as an enemy whose army numbered an impressive 10,000 infantry and 2,000 chariots strong at the Battle of Karkar. Though in a damaged line, Ahab's name was also recorded on the Teldan Stella. The name of Ahab's son Jehoram is used to confidently reconstruct this line to read Jehoram, son of Ahab, king of Israel. The Teldan Stella also mentions Ahaziah, king of Judah, son of Jehoram, two of Judah, as defeated or killed. The seventh king verified is the usurper Jehu. He's mentioned by name on the black obelisk of Shalmaneser III and is recorded as paying tribute. 
Joash of Israel is named by the records of an Assyrian king who campaigned just north of Israel. Jeroboam II is mentioned in a personal signet seal of his servant. Uzziah, king of Judah, is possibly referred to in the records of Assyria and is mentioned in two seals belonging to his officials. Maniam is mentioned twice by name as king of Samaria in Assyrian records, along with his successor Pekah. King Jotham of Judah and his son Ahaz are both known from Ahaz's personal seal that reads belonging to Ahaz, son of Jotham, king of Judah. Ahaz is also mentioned on the seal of an official and again in the records of Tiglath-Pileser. Tiglath-Pileser claims to have installed Hoshea, the last king of Israel, in two separate surviving documents, and the seal of Abdi, servant of Hoshea, has been translated. The 16th king to be verified is famous Hezekiah. Along with his personal signet seal and seal impressions from three of his servants, Hezekiah is mentioned by Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Hezekiah's son Manasseh has also been verified by his own signet seal, as well as being mentioned in the records of two Assyrian kings. While King Jehoiachin of Judah only enjoyed a three-month reign in Jerusalem, he is named on a Babylonian ration tablet. The final king of Judah was Zedekiah. The Babylonian chronicle refers to him, though not by name, as the king chosen for the job by Babylon. Now, a challenge to some of these earlier kings of Israel, except for David, because David was a dynasty founder, so his name does show up, obviously, in um, the archaeological record and in some historical records as well. But before the time period where Assyria really begins uh, fighting against Israel and Judah, there's not many extra-biblical records that name the kings of Israel and Judah. And that's not because they didn't exist, it, exist. it's just that the... Uh, cultures that were the enemies of Israel at that time, the, the earlier time period of the kings, were not record-keeping nations as much as Assyria and Babylon and Persia were. Uh, and if they were, they were using perishable materials. So not as much has survived from those cultures. So we wouldn't expect to find as much evidence. But as soon as we see the Assyrian kings beginning to interact with Israel, you know, their names start showing up in all of these extra biblical uh, histories of their enemies. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you, Corey. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Janice? Great chapter that we're talking about here, and I titled my segment, What an Adventure to Follow God. This is not an adventure that I would like to have. David and his men arrive back where they live, and it's burned. It's Everybody's gone, and they are devastated. They are tormented. And in fact, the, his men are talking about stoning David. They, they've just had it. But David uh, refreshes and, and restores himself, and the Lord encourages him. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David inquired of God, do I go? Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God says, yes go. So here we have David on a call, on a mission of God, this adventure, this, this mission that God has sent him and his men. And we see real life happening here. We see in verses 9 and 10 that David takes 600 men with him, but 200 men stayed behind because they were so weary. You know, that happens in our lives where we become weary and we need rest. The Lord says in his word, 
Don't be weary in doing well. Our strength comes from the Lord, but God sends encouragement. God helps us in those times. So um, we see that in verses 9 and 10. And along the way, as David is going now with his 400 men, we learn about an Egyptian slave that David's men find and he had been left behind and was sick and hungry. And we see that. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread and he ate, and they let him drink water. And Rod, your point that you made today, it was your second point. It read like this. David found and rescued an Egyptian slave along the way. God will place people around us to help and rescue as we move along in the Lord's will. And that we can take in two ways. Yes, God will put people around us. As we are on the call, we are all to um, share our testimonies with people. We are to make disciples of people. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. David and his men found this Egyptian. God will place people around us who need to know the love of God and his deliverance. We can give them the bread of life, and we can give them the living water. We know where he is and who he is, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And in a different way, um, God will place people around us to help and rescue us as we move along in the Lord's will, much like Jonathan's friendship was with David. And a couple of days ago, we talked about how Jonathan left his father Saul in pursuit of trying to kill David to come and actually encourage David in God. And God will send people to encourage you in the word, in God, to pray with you, to stand with you as you are following and being obedient to the Lord's word to his ways. That's what being a Christian is. It's giving our lives to serve and to love the Lord Jesus Christ, to do the Great Commission. And that's to tell people about what God has done through sending his son, Jesus Christ. So let's be encouraged in the scripture today. The adventure with God is amazing. Thank you for joining us as we pray. We say, Lord, help me to be ready and willing to share my testimony with anyone who will listen. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, listen carefully. I, I want to say to you that join us on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 Eastern time because we're going to pray for you on Facebook and YouTube and Bible Discovery. And we're going to be live. So make sure you join us at 3.30.